Christmas, ultimately, it's about Jesus. So if you take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians uh, chapter 2, that's where we're going to be this morning. And uh, we'll take some time just to kind of dissect a passage and a text that we have here. It's a short few verses, but we want to really dig into it this morning. And uh, I just want to just kind of get into this this morning by saying that we're going to talk about the Incarnation. Um, That is God himself coming in the form of a baby and a man and taking on the image and the likeness of a child and eventually growing into the man that he was that went to the cross uh, for our sins. Uh, This morning I thought I would read something for you. It goes along with the uh, the little picture and the video of Linus uh, that we just watched. But um, I came across a little article this week on a social media site. It's called Why It's Important by Jason Sorosky. And I think this will kind of give you some ideas of truly what Christmas is all about because Linus there just recited Luke chapter 2. You all probably already have realized that. Uh, it says, Charlie Brown is best known for his uniquely striped shirt and Linus is most associated with his ever-present security blanket. And throughout the story of Peanuts, Lucy, Snoopy, Sally, and others all work to no avail to separate Linus from his blanket. And they, even though his security blanket remains a major source of ridicule for the otherwise mature and thoughtful Linus, he simply refuses to give it up until this moment right here, which you may have realized that in the, uh, the little video when he simply drops it. In the climactic scene when Linus shares what Christmas is all about, he drops his security blanket. And I am now convinced that this is intentional. Most telling is the specific moment he drops it when he utters the words, Fear not. Uh, looking at it now, it's pretty clear what Charles Schultz was saying, and it's so simple, it's brilliant. He puts in quotations, set free. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from the habits we are unable or unwilling to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security we have been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to him instead. The world of 2016 can be a scary place, and most of us find ourselves grasping to something temporal for security. Whatever that thing may be, essentially 2016 is a world in which it's very difficult for us to fear not. But in the midst of fear and insecurity, this simple cartoon from 1965 continues to live on as an inspiration for us to seek true peace and true security in the one place it has always been and can always still be found, and that's in Jesus Christ, right? That's what it's all about this morning. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. If you're not already there, go with me to that passage. And this book, I was taught so many times through Bible college, it's, it's, uh, it's a joyous book. Uh, we read a, a book in uh, our classes for World Life Bible Institute by a well-known pastor and author. His name is Warren Wearsby. And he wrote a book called Be Joyful. And when we think about the incarnation and what's going to be shared in this passage this morning, Philippians 2, uh, 2 verses 5 through 11, it is perhaps the most important uh, section of all of this letter that Paul writes to us. And we want to take a look at it this morning. There's two portions of Scripture that I think we can call the theology of Christmas. And when we look at Luke chapter 2, it's the story of Christ and it shows us all that. But the actual reason what Christmas is all about, we can find it in John chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2. 
John chapter 1, you, you recognize this passage and it talks about, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, we know what that's all about. But in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to take a look this morning. And in the context of it, Paul writes this letter, this beautiful letter of encouragement to the Philippian believers. And he is in the midst of sitting in prison with chains shackled to him. And he's sitting there writing the Philippian believers this encouragement. And he gets to this section in Philippians chapter 2 where he's reminding them about the humility of who Christ is and why he came to this earth. And he says this in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, and we'll read down through verse 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Verse 9, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I simply give you six things this morning. I'll be very straightforward. Six things, six steps that Christ took for you and for me that we can take from this passage today. Number one, let's just walk right down through them. And it comes in verse six. Number one, he gave up his divine form. He gave up his glory for you and for me. And when we think about how important that is, it's the reason that we're here today. I think about this idea of uh, grasping for something. When we look at other translations, it says that he, he no longer uh, was grasping for it. Or he, uh, as it says this morning, he did not consider robbery to be equal with God. And when we look at different passages from Scripture, we see very first off, the evil one that originally takes that, that grasp or tries to take that grasp, right? And that's Lucifer. One of the created beings in heaven. And he is the originator of that grasping for power. And then as we go further into Genesis chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we see him doing the very same thing in the hearts of an Adam and Eve, right? Where he, he speaks to them and says, really, ultimately, you want to be like God. Just eat of this tree that he's told you not to eat of, and you can be like him. You see, Adam and Eve did the very same thing. They grasped after this power to be like God. Where Jesus Christ, he gave up his divine form. Think of it this way. It was no longer a selfish grabbing as we see from Lucifer and from Adam and Eve. But it was a simple, open-handed giving that he gave to us, his one and only son, God the Father above. Gave us his one and only son. The second thing is he made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation. This is a deep, deep theology. Uh, many times uh, it's talked about as the kenosis theology. It's something that we don't truly always understand. But it talks about the fact that he emptied himself. I was always taught this way. And Pastor Dave, I don't know if you were taught the same way. But not to think of, of what did he empty himself, but into what did he empty himself. We understand that when he came into this world that he was 
still God in the flesh. He did set aside some of his divinity so that he could take on the form of a man and the form of a servant. But he made himself of no reputation for you and for me. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 53, 12, it says that, it says that he poured out his very own soul for you and for me. That makes me excited this morning to think of the fact of how much he cared for us. That is what Christmas is all about. The third thing is this, is he became a man. But most importantly, he started out as a little baby. He started as a little baby. Each and every one of us in here this morning, we started as a little baby. Except for maybe one. Alan, church, where he went (laughs) <laughs> Just teasing him a little bit this morning. But we all started out as a little tiny baby. When I think about that, go back to the fact of you that are parents. As you remember your first or your second, your third child coming into this world, I stopped there for a second and I'm reminded of that every Christmas because our daughter's birthdays are the 27th and the 29th of December. So this Tuesday and this Thursday, we'll celebrate Haley's birthday and Ashley's birthday. And church family, when I think about the very first moment that I held Ashley's little body in my hands and Haley's little body in my hands, I just looked down at their eyes. And Haley, she's our very first one. She'll be turning 12. I looked down at her and just, I bawled like a baby. Dad said, did any of you bawl like a baby when you had your first child, right? Some of you are raising your hands. I was just so in awe of this little, little child. And then I think about four years later, Haley was born on December 27th of 2004. But of December 29th of 2007, Ashley was born. And she was born prematurely. Some of you know that. She was six weeks early. And as she was born... And uh, she finally uh, decided to come out, but not on our time frame, a, a bit early, right, Tracy? She came out a bit early, and uh, I remember standing in that, that room, and as my wife gave birth to Ashley, uh, the nursing staff took her over to the side and placed her on a little table. And I could tell that the doctors were frantically working on this little baby because for whatever reason, something was wrong. And I remember my father-in-law was here this morning and I, we stepped over behind this little curtain and the doctors are doing all they can just to get her to take her first breath. And my father and I look at each other, I still remember this, and we just said, come on, little one, come on, little one, start breathing, start breathing, start breathing. And all of a sudden, we hear this little, and we're like, yes, she's made it. And then as we held little Ashley in our hands, you realize how helpless they truly are. That's what Jesus did for us. He came in a humble, humble way to a manger in a way that we would never expect. This morning we were praying together. He didn't, and one of the men said he didn't come in a horse and a carriage and a, a big pomp and circumstance, but he came riding on a camel right, inside of Mary. But he came for you and he came for me. And I think about that birth of our little Ashley. Because she was born premature, we had to leave her in the NICU for about a week and a half. Some of you know what this is like. As you, you leave your child overnight and you come back. And then you leave them again and then you come back. It's, it's a hard thing to leave, to leave them. And I think about Mary and Joseph, Joseph as they must have sat there and they held 
the Lord of all creation in their hands. What, what a humbling experience that must have been for Mary to have the Son of God Almighty in her hands. And to see him grow in wisdom and stature among God and among men. And that leads us to our fourth point this morning is that he became a servant ultimately. We see that in this passage, that he became a servant. When I think of that idea of servant, I go immediately to this idea of the fact of him washing his disciples' feet in John chapter 13, verses 15 through 17. Do you remember when he, he set an example for his disciples, and he bent down and he began to wash their feet? And he comes to Peter, right? And Peter says, whoa, whoa not me, Lord. I am not worthy. I'm not worthy of you to do this to me. And Jesus says, listen, if, if I don't do this, then you have no part with me. And, of course, Peter says, well, then wash me from my head to my toes, Lord, everything about me. And Jesus has to explain to him, it's not about the washing. I set an example for you that you do the same for others. A church family, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about a heart of servitude, servanthood. Humility, humbling ourselves before God Almighty. You know, we were out shopping yesterday, Tracy and I, getting some, some gifts for our, uh, our children. And I can't say what they were because Haley's back there this morning, so we'll keep that on the down low. But we were out shopping, just everyone in all these stores buying all these gifts and, and things that they're preparing for, which is a great thing for Christmas. But I think about the real gift that has been given to us, and that's the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation. That's why we're here this morning, to speak that into your hearts and lives. Listen, if you come today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we hope that you'll take that opportunity to know him before this day is done. Pastor Dave and I, we'd love to talk to you after the service. There will be people at the back afterwards that have a lanyard around their neck that will say, ask me, and they'd love to talk to you. But back to this idea that he became a servant for you and for me. Um, I heard one commentator liken it to like uh, this idea is the idea of Shaquille O'Neal playing basketball with a five-year-old, right? There's absolutely no competition that can happen there. Literally, Shaquille O'Neal is there for the purpose of serving this little child and showing him how to play some basketball. If Shaquille O'Neal wanted to, he could... Uh, stop the child from ever even getting a shot off, right? But really, what happens is this big, huge individual that's just enormously good at basketball, he really ends up coming as a servant, showing this little five-year-old how to play the game of basketball. And he probably shows him how to dunk the ball, shows him how to do a proper layup, how to shoot a real free throw, even though Shaquille could never make free throws, right? But he, he really... Is not in this form of competition, but he comes really ultimately in that kind of a setting as a servant. And I know that's a weird analogy for this idea this morning, but Jesus, he did that for you and I. He came as a servant to show us what life is all about. It's really a life of humility. The fifth thing this morning is that he humbled himself literally to death. You see that in this passage here in verse 8. And he humbled himself for the Father Above Everything that he did was for his father's will. Matter of fact, it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, in the second half of that verse, for you and for me, that he was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
And I know that context is talking about a little bit different item there, but I know we can apply that principle to our lives here and now. The fact that he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Here's the final thing this morning. And this is what we don't think about at Christmas time, because typically we talk about it at Easter, is that he died even on a cross, the text says. This is so, so very important. Didn't even really realize this until a few years ago as I was studying this passage, but it talks about in uh, Roman history that even Roman citizens were exempt from dying uh, through the, the form of execution. Only the very, very, very heinous crimes, if you were a Roman citizen, could you be crucified for. Christ went to the cross for us, even the death on a cross, through crucifixion. I don't really need to explain this morning what that puts a human being through. I think you all know what that puts a human being through. But as he hung on that cross, and he finally came to the point in his earthly life where he says to his father, It is finished. That's the story of Christmas. That's what it's all about this morning. Is the fact that he died for you and he died for me. I want to close this morning by looking at the last couple verses, 9 through 11. It says this, if you'll go there with me and look down at your copies of the Word of God. It says in 9 through 11, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. As I was preparing for this message, I thought back actually 20 years ago to this Christmas. I was attending Word of Life Bible Institute. I was in a singing and a drama group called the Word of Life Collegians. And uh, some of you are shaking your heads. You remember this, but we performed a Christmas drama called Every Knee Shall Bow at Kentwood High School Auditorium. And I remember after that auditorium, many, many people coming forward and us as Bible Institute students having the opportunity to sit down with those people and counsel them and show them from God's word this set of verses right here that says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 20 years ago, I met Tracy went to her house at this Christmas time, and that's how it all began for us. And I met Mr. and Mrs. Hooker, and it's just a joyous time to remember this for me. And for you, Christmas may have a lot of other memories. But I hope that you realize today, as you come into the service, and we prepare for next Sunday, as we'll come together in, in this auditorium, and Pastor Dave will bring a message. He's got something special planned for our little kids. He's going to read a story to them. We celebrate. There's so many traditions that we have, but always remember to let those traditions be on the back burner and let Jesus Christ be exalted Amen. at Christmas time. Let me close with this this morning. And as I was... Preparing this week, I was reading through a book through uh, some of the classes that I'm doing, and uh, one of them is called Why Jesus Matters. It's written by uh, an author and a pastor named Bruce Bickle, but he says this in the last two uh, paragraphs of this entire book, and a matter of fact, the chapter is called Why Jesus Matters to You. He says this, any honest study of the life of Christ will embroil you in a debate. It's not possible to look only at the extraordinary part of Jesus without dealing with the controversial part. His teaching, miracles, and resurrection are integrated with 
his theology. His promises for a life of truth, peace, and meaning were all based on a belief in him. Not just an intellectual ascent of his existence, but a faith that he was the sole solution for humanity's spiritual void. And here's the last part that I love so much. Every person must take a side in the controversy. If you're here this morning, you must take a side. You must decide if Jesus was just a good man or if he was the God man. Your decision will take you far beyond knowing why Jesus matters. On a more important level, a very personal level, you will know why Jesus matters to you. That's what Christmas is all about. So here's here's the big idea. Do you know the Christ that Christmas is all about? Or maybe better ask, do you believe in the Christ of Christmas? Will you bow your heads this morning for me as we close? I know this is a very personal question, but I'd like to ask it this morning. If you've come in today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's been a time in your heart and your life where you've accepted him into your life, would you please just raise your hand for me? We'd, We'd love to know and celebrate with you. Amen. So, so many of you. I never know in a crowd this size of Pastor Dave the same way. We can never tell for sure who has and who hasn't raised their hands. That's not what it's about. But if you've come in today and you don't know 100% sure that you would go to, heaven, or go to heaven when you die, if you're not sure of that, if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're here this morning, would you just simply raise your hand for me or, or look up at me? I would love to take the opportunity afterwards. I'm not going to embarrass you now, but afterwards, Pastor Dave or I or one of our greeters in the back would love to have, have that opportunity to show you from God's Word what it means to be a child of God. Anyone this morning that you would raise your hand and say, Pastor Tim, that's me. I've been struggling with it for long enough. I'm ready to surrender my heart to Christ. I want to know what it means for sure to be a child of God. Anyone like that this morning? I don't see any hands. To do this for me today before you leave, if you're just uh, at that point in your heart and your life where you're struggling, and perhaps you're even too timid to talk to one of us pastors or counselors, would you please talk to someone that you came with this morning, a friend or a neighbor that you know knows Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Because listen, this, this is the day for you. Today is the day for salvation. I want to make sure that you don't leave here today without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Every single one of us has sinned. And uh, we want to make sure that you understand from God's word that he says in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. For us. So please don't miss out on the opportunity today. I want to close just a little bit different this morning and uh, just in a word of prayer and then we'll, we'll close. But uh, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this Christmas season as we continue to get ready for it in our, in our whole households. I pray that you would help us to always remember the true meaning behind it, never to get caught up in the traditions and the things that will come our way. To always set aside time within our families to look into your word and to, to reach out, to understand the, the idea of humility and servanthood that you showed us so great an example of. Lord, today we thank you for this passage in Philippians that talks about who you were, the fact that you came, you humbled yourself, you became a man, a servant, 
You went to the cross for our sins. Lord, we can't thank you enough for that today. And so, Lord, we, we close this morning just thanking you with humble hearts. And we appreciate all that you've done for us. Thank you so much for the gift of your son. In your name.